Easy. All right. Welcome back, guys. Last episode before Christmas. We wanted to chat first by like sharing some tips and tricks that we're, me personally, are going to try and employ just to sort of keep the spending to a minimum through Christmas. It seems like talking to a lot of friends and family, most of them aren't doing anything too crazy for Christmas this year. They're not going on too big holidays or anything of that nature. They're just sticking sticking at home and, uh, you know, having a bit of a laissez-faire event. First thing I thought of, and I'll get Dad to, Dave, you to, to can go on with this as well. Um, if you're going to the shops, and maybe you've already done this, if you're going to the shops to do some yeah. last-minute Christmas purchases for presents or groceries for, for Christmas, make a list before you go to the shops. I find sticking to a list helps me avoiding extra impulse buys that I don't necessarily need because I find when I start buying things through an impulse purchase, uh, you end up buying a few more impulses, impulse purchases. Once you've bought the first one or two, you tend to over overdo it. The other one, again, is like what Dave has said in the past too. If you want to reduce inflation in your own budgets, you got to stop spending money. So a consideration has got to be, you know, trimming back on discretionary expenditure. Um, if you've got too many things that you're spending money on through the Christmas period that you can cut back on, there's easy ways to save money by getting rid of some of your subscription services maybe. Or um, maybe you spend a lot of money on coffees each day uh, and you can have a coffee or two at home. Those are sort of easy ways to sort of cut back on on your expenses in little ways. But were there any ones you could add, Dave? Oh, look, I just think... Um... Yeah, you know, you've got to work out. We've, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum. Um, you've got to work out what your priorities are. Um, yeah, in life, in finance, just generally, um, if your priority is to become a property investor, um, yeah, you'll 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 need some. You know, generally, unless you you know get help from your parents, because you can use you know equity in their place, you're going to need a deposit. So if you're if you're saving for a deposit, um, you've got to stop spending money elsewhere. You know, on sort of frivolous things. And uh, yeah, if you're if you're impulse purchasing because it makes you feel better because you're not happy, um, you know, you need to go get happy. Yeah, it's. With with inflation, like inflation's high, a lot of it is due to um, circumstances beyond the control of of us, because it's due to you know, energy prices going up, um, you know, floods, which has increased the cost of uh, um, you know, getting goods to market and those sorts of things, and you know, lack of supply of you know, different fruits and veggies and those sorts of things. Um, rents are going up because. Yeah, generally we have one level of government cocking things up, but with housing supply, we have all three cocking things up. So, um, you know, prices are going up, inflation's going up. The RBA is putting up interest rates to try and um, suck money out of the economy so people can't spend. So don't spend money. Like if if everybody in Australia stops spending, um, interest rates will drop because they'd have to because the the RBA and the government going, well, we've got to stimulate demand again, like they did during the pandemic. So, you know, there are things you can control. There's things you can't. So, you know, try and try and control the things you can. Um, most people are concerned about the climate and are concerned about 
you know, the amount of um, wastage that humans create, stop buying shit. You know, it's pretty obvious. Like if you buy shit that's got to be transported from China, that's not great for the economy. Uh, sorry, not great for the environment. And a lot of stuff, like there was a Batuta Advocate um, thing the other day where um, I can't remember, it's a you know, piss take, obviously, but they're saying that you can order Christmas gifts that are sent straight to landfill because that's where a lot of them end up. So personally, we donate money to charity for Christmas. We don't need more shit in our life. You know, we, and we're not doing that because we want people to go, oh, aren't you nice? We just don't need more shit. Um, you know, we're getting a skip delivered tomorrow and we'll throw out one or two skips worth of crap that we don't need. And I think a lot of people just you know, buy shit because it makes them feel better. Stop doing it. Um, start saving money. Start investing money. Um, get on the front foot. Get proactive. Um, we've talked about if you're a renter and you're not happy with renting, do something about it. Yeah, start saving some money or move back home or get a share house or whatever and, and do something about it. So I think, yeah, the best, my best advice is, yeah, go through your last couple of months of credit card saving uh, statements and um, your afterpay, zip pay, any, any credit facility you've got and work out where you can trim back. If you're with a partner, if you've got a partner, get on the same page. Um, if you read the Murdoch Press on a Sunday, um, the Barefoot Investor's there and he suggests having a date night where you talk about finance and get on the, on the same page. But, you know, make 2023 a year where you're going to change. If you're not happy, if you're happy with your life, happy days, great stuff. But if you're not, do something about it because um, um, the world ain't going to change for you. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, donate to charity. That's That's what I'd do. The next one focuses on um, a couple of the conversations I've had with friends in the last like week or so regarding why obviously what we do as a business is mortgage broking. Part of the podcast is to shamelessly plug that we're mortgage brokers, but talking on brokers on a, uh, as a whole, I was talking to some friends about how being a broker, you understand that no bank is really the same and different banks have different lending policies. And to give some examples of how banks differ, um, some banks won't lend money to specific postcodes. Some of them might consider certain areas of Australia, uh, rural Australia, and they don't really like lending money to people that are going to live out way out in the bush or wherever. Um, others don't like lending to suburbs within flood zones. Um, others that are known for droughts don't really want to lend to those. Some lenders like to avoid certain types of employment. So some people, some lenders specialize in like smaller tier lenders love people that are self-employed, but other lenders tend to avoid self-employed people altogether and really like pay, uh, pay as you go type people on a salary or on an hourly wage. Um, while others love people that work in emergency services positions like police or ambulance or people that work in the medical industry in a hospital that they know that's a safe job, that's a good job that's going to be here forever. So unless that person gets fired, their job isn't going anywhere. So it's a safe yeah. source of income. They want to lend more to those sorts of people and maybe they offer discounts and better deals to those people because they want that business. Could you sort of explain, um, I guess, maybe an explanation of why these banks think that way? Like why banks have certain, I guess, yeah. frames of reference of why, of like why they like lending to certain types of people? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So look, it's, it's all about niches. It's all about um, now. If you if you go to the shop, and I I, I liken loan products to milk. Um, 30, 40 years ago, there was one. Yeah, if you went to the shop and bought milk, there was milk, and that was it. Um, and yeah, if you went to a bank and you got a loan, there was a loan. You paid monthly repayments. Um, was principal and interest over twenty five years, and um, yeah, everyone, yeah, you you got charged interest, and then at the end of the month, um, you made your repayment, and then you know just kept going and going and going. Now, as more banks, um, yeah, we had the we had the the big four banks, and then you know new banks started when um, I think it was Paul Keating opened up the economy a bit to banking in the nineties. Um, more banks come in and, you know, if you're a new bank coming in, you can't really compete with what Combank, Westpac, ANZ and NAB because they're huge. So you've got to go, okay, well, what's our niche going to be? So our niche might be, well, they might lend up to 80% and want a 20% deposit, we'll lend up to 85 So um, it might be they want a self-employed person to be to have two years' financials will do it on one year's financials. Um, they don't like people who've had credit defaults. Um, another bank comes in and says, you know, if there's a story around it, because not not everyone who has a credit default, um, not you know, it's not always their fault. It could have been like a business gone bad, um, you know, partner took on debt that they didn't know about, could be through divorce, could be lots of reasons. So they go, okay, well, if there's a story, we'll accept people with a credit default. So now we've got hundreds and hundreds of lenders and um, yeah, they'll all do different things trying to trying to get in a niche. And it's a bit like now with milk, you can get almond milk and soy milk and yeah, um, oat milk and skim milk and yeah, you, know, you can get all these different things. And yeah, you know, that that's sort of how it's that's sort of how it's evolved. And then you'll have some lenders go, Well, we we like people that um so are employed in emergency services because they get lots of overtime and it's almost guaranteed. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. And then other lenders will go, well, we like doctors and specialists and engineers because they earn a lot of money and have you know, not much um not much issue getting jobs. So we'll like them. So it's basically there's there's lots of different lenders. If you want to lend, if you want to borrow money, there's generally a, a lender around that will lend you money subject to um, them checking you out, you know, your credit history, your your history with debt, whether you've got good deposit, whether you've got good income, what your story is and all that sort of stuff. So um, in regard to postcodes and those things, as Damo found out when we were um, looking at the house at Dubbo, he bought um, some, some insurance companies, some um, won't insure postcodes where there's been flooding. So, and it's the same thing with, with lenders. They might have, a postcode that they're not that keen on because it might be getting overdeveloped. Um, it could be in a flood zone. Could have had bushfires. Um, it could be. It could be actually a block of apartments. There might be two hundred apartments, and the and the bank already has loans in. The, it might already have twenty loans in that apartment complex, and it doesn't want any more because it doesn't want to put all its eggs in one basket. So there's there's yeah, as I said. There's lenders around for basically any sort of debt you want to take on. Just make sure it's in your best interests. Um, if you're with a bank and you go to them, you don't know whether they're going to like where you're going to buy or what you're going to buy or 
how much deposit you've got, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, by all means, talk to your bank, but I'd always recommend having a chat with a broker before you go near your bank, just to make sure, you know, that a broker has access to lots and lots of banks and can generally give you advice on, you know, which ones are going to work and which ones aren't. So another one we're going to talk about, so reviewing 2022 and how, rents for people that are renting have risen in that time um dwelling rents on average across australia have risen 24 percent. so just under a quarter have, they've risen the national vacancy rate so is 0.8 percent in november of this year as uh which is the latest figure we have um compared to last year in november 2021 it was 1.5 so right now there are only 20,320 vacant rentals Australia-wide. That's 47% less than the same time last year, November 2021. It's obviously, like commentators are speaking on it, it's a drop in the ocean. There's not enough rentals uh, for the amount of us people looking for rentals, uh, especially in the places where they're needed. Um, Melbourne vacancies have dropped. So state by state, capital city-wise, Melbourne vacancy rate has dropped to 1.1%. Sydney is 1.1%. Perth and Adelaide have the lowest vacancy rate in the country, 0.3%. Hobart, 0.4%. And Canberra, 1.2%. Obviously, there's a doom and gloom aspect to this, that if you're a person trying to rent, um, maybe you're moving to the city or you're moving to a country area for a new job and you're struggling to find a place to live, this obviously is pretty dire news, but on the uh, on the flip side, to cover both sides of it, I guess, if you're someone trying to get into buying a house uh, to rent out, this might be a good opportunity to do so because you know that demand's pretty strong to get people to, to move in to live there. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. You know, a couple of probably a year or two, probably last year, I think, might have been the year before, Simon Presley from Propertyology put out a, one of his insight papers and said, you know, we're going to have the biggest property boom ever. And he was right. Unfortunately, the boffins in Treasury and the economists and the papers, you know, they, they don't talk to people like Simon because, um, you know, they, they'd rather talk to the doom and gloom merchants who, um, who peddle clickbait. What we've had is, you know, rental stock is either provided by government or private investors. And after five to six years of investors getting their heads kicked in, they've left. The government's dropped the ball on social housing. You know, they're, they're not doing as much social housing as they used to. So now we've got a rental crisis. And what are we doing where, you know, there's, I think there's something like over 2 million visa applications to come to Australia from countries all around the world. You know, apart from some loonies at soccer games, we're generally a safe place here in New Zealand that people want to come and live in because we're multicultural. We let people celebrate their own religions, unlike a lot of countries. Yeah, a lot of people want to come here, but the problem is there's nowhere to live. So, um, yeah, my my advice for people is if, which we've talked about before, is if you're renting at the moment and you think you're going to be renting for a while, lock in a long lease because your rent's just going north. If you're an investor, the best time to invest is when everyone else is running in the other direction. And if you don't believe me, look up Warren Buffett, one of the top five richest people on the planet, who talks about um, being greedy when others are fearful and being fearful when others are greedy. And at the moment, everyone's fearful. So if you've got the urge in 2023 to get into 
to buy property, I don't think there's going to be a better time because once consumer sentiment change, once once the RBA does put us in a recession and has to start dropping interest rates, consumer sentiment will change and um, I think it's going to be a good time. So, um, but look, yeah, if you're, if you're uh, renting, work out whether you want to be a renter for the rest of your, well, the foreseeable future. And if you do, um, our advice is to, to lock in a long lease because um, rents are just going up. And if you're a good tenant, if you're paying four fifty a week and offer four eighty, the agent might tell the landlord, "Look, you can get five twenty, but a lot of the time, the the landlord will take a solid tenant at a lower rate than chance, you know, trying to get um, you know a windfall from from a new one, from a new tenant that they don't know." So, last one from me. So, Domain is a property website. Um, they have an end of year wrap up. And uh, they've noted that in in uh, 2022, the, the house prices on average across the combined capitals fell 4.9% from their peak, which happened in March of this year. But since COVID began in March of 2020, uh, they're still 27% higher. So they've lost a little bit of steam and they've gone down 4.9%, but they're still up 27% since two years ago. Um, the combined regional areas have remained 30% higher during uh, in that same time period. So despite a dip, we're still operating on a pretty good win uh, despite a little bit of a loss this year. On a capital city basis, Hobart and Adelaide prices are still 47% higher, Canberra's 41% higher and Brisbane's 36% higher. Darwin is 30% higher than in co- uh, the beginning of COVID in 2020. Perth is 22% higher, Sydney's 29% higher, and Melbourne is still up 17% compared to the beginning of COVID back in 2020. So I guess there's a caveat to be made, obviously, like real quick, sorry, Dave, there's a caveat to be made that like there's a lot of, uh, not argument, but like there's a lot of back and forth within the industry that we're in about whether or not the prices will continue to drop into next year and whether we see a crash, there's a lot of debate still. And I don't really want to put my, I don't really like have an opinion. I'm just finding it all interesting, the amount of debate that's going on. It's fun to listen to, but like, I don't really know what to make of what's going on. So keep in mind, like we're still operating on a high, but whether that high will, whether we'll see a bigger crash, uh, sorry, whether we see a crash next year or not is sort of up in the air. And there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of good pros to both sides of the argument, if you know what I mean. But what it, what hmm. was your thoughts? Yeah, look, I don't think there'll be a crash. I just think we never prices usually don't crash; they just correct. And like you know, at the start of the pandemic, there was lots of people predicting you know price crash and Armageddon and all that sort of stuff. And you know, everyone no one knew it was going to happen. It was the first time. We'd ever had like a pandemic here, and when you know they had to shut the economy and keep people locked in and all that sort of stuff, so no one really knew what was around the corner. Um, but you know, as it sort of played out, um, you know, people stopped traveling overseas, so there was a cohort of people that would normally, you know, early to mid 20s and late 20s who would go spend a couple of years overseas who couldn't go overseas, and um. They had two choices, either rent or live with their parents. And a lot of them thought, well, 
we're probably not going to go overseas for a while. Let's buy a property. So there was more pe more more demand for property. Um, interest rates were slashed, so borrowing capacities went up. So yeah, and the other thing that sort of come through the stats um, is that the average number of people in the household has dropped. So whereas you might have had 2.8 or whatever it was people per household, it was 2.3 or 2.2. And according to Core Logic, that's increased demand for property by quite a lot. I think they said like 140 to 180,000 dwellings. So basically supply, yeah, there was more demand, um, less supply um, pushed up prices. So yeah, even if property prices crash, well, correct, 20%, a lot of people are still going to be in front. But you've only got to look at, like, I remember in um, the mid-'80s when we were in Sydney, there was a house where we lived in Beverly Hills um, that was on the market for 78 grand. Now, we were horrified at that price because, you know, we were all on about 12 grand a year. So it was about six or seven times our our income now now you wouldn't get there for much under probably a mil to a million and a half so if you look at the stat if you look at the graphs property generally goes up over time and if you're thinking well, i'm gonna if, if you're looking to buy property to make a quick buck you're in the right you're in you go to the share market you're you're in the wrong playground because to buy a property you know, if you're spending half a million dollars on a property for an investment, your stamp duty and costs are going to be 20 to 25 grand. So then by the time you get in your loan and start paying it down, and you probably want to go interest only for investment anyway to, to you know, preserve your cash flow. If in two or three years you want to sell it and you might want to sell it for 600 grand, well, you're going to be paying around 3% to sell the property. So you'll only make 580 anyway. That's just, why would you bother? It's, it's really... Yeah, the old thing of you know, property is a long-term game. It's about yeah, and over the course of time, my my strong view, I can't see it going any other way. And just remember, this is not financial advice. This is just my opinion. I can't see property going down in price generally over the course of time because we don't build enough properties. Um, we don't have enough properties. We're we're bringing more people into the country. Yeah, we have a. We've talked about this before. We have a, a job and skills summit, and the main outcome is we're going to open the floodgates to let people come in to fill jobs because um, we've got all these vacancies here. But yeah, you know, we've got a couple hundred thousand people who are unemployed who can't get jobs because the employer thinks they're too old, or um, you know the employer can't rip them off, or the employer can't train, won't train them. It just seems ludicrous to me that we we want to let heap more people in when we've already got people living here in a house um, who aren't homeless um, that we could train to get them off unemployment and a lot of them do want to get off unemployment and that will reduce the drain on government because we don't have to pay for um, Centrelink or um, job training providers and all that sort of stuff so for me I wouldn't worry about the you know the stuff on the paper about there was a thing in the Newcastle Herald yesterday where we are about you know price crashes and all this sort of stuff. Like it, it's it's good good media headlines, but generally, if you buy a property today for four hundred and fifty grand, in ten years' time, it's going to be worth six hundred. It's just you know. And the other thing that's acting um, in the favour of property going up is how much building costs go up. Now, if you look at cars, if the cost of new cars goes up, generally the cost of used cars goes up. 
because people can't afford new cars, so they buy used cars. And when they buy more used cars, the price goes up. And it's no different to property. Like we had people building a normal four-bedroom house in 2019, and they were paying high 200s to low 300s. Now you're paying mid 400s because the cost of tradies has gone up, the cost of materials have gone up. Um, you know, we've got we've got one client who wants to put a simple granny flat at the back of their house. It's been in council for over three months. Now the system's broken, um, and the system's broken so bad that um, supply supplies constrained. Imagine imagine being in the Olympics and you're in lane one, and you've got a twenty kilo weight tied around you. How do you think you're going to go? That's that's basically what's happening at the moment. We have, you know, we just can't we can't supply the property we need because we've got too many too many levels involved and then if you do if you do want to do a development you've got to go through all these hurdles that adds thousands and thousands of dollars worth of costs like there was a story in the fin review the other day about yeah the new government um the labor albanese government's big on wind farms and renewables they want to build a big wind farm somewhere in tassie i can't remember where it is but the the there's a big protest because it's going to impact I think it's called the orange spotted parrot, which allegedly hasn't been seen in ten years anyway. So, like it's it's yeah, it's madness. So, look in the end, as we said at the start, you've got to work out what your priority is. Stop blaming everybody else. Um, <laughs> if you if you want to be an investor, be an investor. If you want to be a renter, be a renter. It's your choice. Um, just stop blaming everyone else. Um, in as we used to say when we we're in England, either shit or get off the pot. And um, yeah, that's my advice. Um, be proactive um, and take the initiative because the what's that old saying? Fortune favors the brave. Um, generally, generally, you know, if you're um, if you're in a job for 30, 40 years and paying super and you've got a house and you pay it off before retirement, your retirement will probably be okay. But um, yeah, you if you've got an investment property growing for you as well, it's probably going to be a better retirement. But it's your call. So um, yeah, up and Adam. When did you last watch the drum? Oh, uh, it's finished. It was on. Um, at least put it on last night. It's finished for the year. So, God, was, how, you, where, how are you going to have anything to like complain about for a bit, Dave? Yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm just stating. <laughs> Anyway, so look, I just wanted a couple of things before we um before we finish. And it's basically there's a good um blog that oh sorry, um I got friends from Investor Kit um were talking about some of the trends and it's on one of their podcasts. So I'd recommend people listen to that if you know if you're suitably interested. Um and that was just talking about some of the things that they see happening, and then I just want to talk about some things. Um at the moment, consumer sentiments down. And which means, you know, there's less people buying, there's less people with with, with budgets. You know, we've got people who are approved to, well, actually we've got some people approved to spend over a million dollars. This was three months ago. Now, you know, their borrowing capacity might be high sevens to low eights. So, you know, borrowing capacities are dropping. There's less, pe- there's less buyers and the buyers there have less money. So 
but there's also less supply. You know, a lot of people think, you know, I'm reading that front page of the Daily Telegraph where house prices are crashing. Do I want to sell in a market like that? So demand's down and supply's down. So generally, the other thing that the guys talked about is that when there's government assistance in the form of things like home builder, stamp duty exemptions and all that sort of stuff, it generally um, means property price growth continues. So in, in New South Wales, there's a um, uh, a new thing where if you spend, if you're a first home buyer and you spend under a million, 1.5 million, you can elect not to pay stamp duty, but to pay an annual land tax. Now, you know, the general feeling is all it's going to do is increase prices because if people had a million and 40 dollars to spend on a million dollar house plus stamp duty, if they've now got a million and forty and are going to take the land tax, um, they're going to spend a million and forty. So the other one is that yeah, there's there's jobs growth everywhere. We have a low unemployment rate and we have increased immigration, and that will generally increase price growth because yeah, if there's if if people move to an area for jobs, that generally generally they've got to live somewhere. And if people um, come to the country and um, yeah, immigrate here. Generally, they'll rent for a couple of years. One because they don't have a deposit to buy a property, or no one will lend them money because they don't have a a job or you know, an established track record. Mm. But generally, people will rent and um, you know get the lay of the land and work out where they want to live. Yeah, you know, there's as you mentioned with those numbers before about how many rental vacancies there are. Yeah, you know, twenty thousand three hundred and twenty Australia wide. Um, a vacancy rate of under 1%, yeah, there's not enough supply. And generally when there's not enough supply of something, you know, if you, you have a look at over Chris, some of the Christmases past when we've had issues with supply of seafood, the price of seafood's gone through the roof. You only got to look at the price of diesel. A lot of countries overseas are using diesel for heating because they can't get gas because of what's happening in um, the Ukraine and Russia. So because... The, the worldwide demand for diesel's gone up, the price of diesel's through the roof. So it's, it's it's simple economics. Like I've said quite a few times that I failed economics at school along with just about everything else, but it's not hard to work out what's happening and what's <laughs> happening. So yeah, yeah, the vacancy rates are the lowest in a decade, building costs are going up. So yeah, it's it's not, that that's the reality. And then you got to work out, okay, if that's the reality, what do I do? Um, you can complain about the reality or you can uh, adapt to the reality. And so here's just some things I think for 2023. I think, um, and this is, what we'll, this is what we'll be doing. So um, next year we will aim to buy one to two more properties because I just think it's going to be a great time to buy. Um, and if you're looking to do that, you need to get pre-approved. Now, your pre-approval lasts for three months and a lot of banks if you get pre-approved say on the 1st of february next year and at its at its um board meeting on um the 3rd of february the rba decides to put interest rates up a lot of banks will lock in that pre-approval for three months at the lower interest rate for servicing purposes so that gives you a bit of leeway. So what you need to do is if you're looking to get in the market, you need to get pre-approved. 
Um, don't go to the don't go to auctions or open homes if you're not pre-approved. It's you're wasting your time. Might give you something to do, but you're wasting your time, the agent's time, everybody's time. Um, we've talked about this trim back on discretionary expenditure. If you want to stop in, if you want to help, if you want your mortgage repayment or your rent to go down, stop spending money. Because if we all stop spending money, the um the growth rate drops, the inflation rate drops, and the RBA then is more inclined not to put interest rates up or even to start dropping them. So that's just simple supply and demand. Um, yeah, rental vacancies are tragically low. There's always a good place to invest. So, yeah, despite what you read in the media, there are places around the country that are still growing in growth capital growth-wise and have a good um, economic fundamentals now and into the future. So, yeah, get educated. There's plenty of good stuff online you can get from Propertyology, John Lindemann, Investor Kit, Dash Dot, Rye House Advisory, um, Results Mentoring, heaps and heaps and heaps of, of people. PK Gupta, you know, heaps of people who will help you. Um, and they'll let you know where they're buying. Um, you know, because a lot of people buy near where they live, which you know you might you might get it right, but generally you don't. Um, I think personally the RBA has raised rates too high. I think there's the with the fixed rates, people are coming off, and um, interest rates haven't gone up three percent in eight months. I think um sometime at mid next year they'll look to start dropping rates when they as soon as the rba drops interest rates the clickbait headlines will be about how it's a great time to buy property and i think for a lot of people it's going to be too late and i think you need to get in before that and that's what we're looking to do um and just the other thing if you need if you need help just sing out talk to your bank um if, you, you know, if you're struggling to make repayments because rates have gone up, talk to your bank or chat to a broker. Um, you know, if you if you type in a mortgage broker and, you know, you might be living in Balranald or, you know, Derby and Tassie, I don't know, Bundamber in Queensland, just type in, you know, mortgage broker Bundamber and there will be someone who's a small business person who can chat you through your options and help you get on the front foot. So don't put your head in the sand um, if you're struggling. Um, you know, we, we're happy to um, help look at where you spend your money to where we might be able to trim back to meet with you or, um, yeah, via, you know, face-to-face -face or via Zoom um, on, you know, things you can do differently. But just remember what Einstein, Einstein was a pretty smart bloke, um, if you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, that that's actually the definition of insanity. So if you're struggling, it's time to acknowledge it and try and do something about it. So, and if you need help, we're, we're happy to help um, anytime, seven days a week. Um, and uh, yeah, well, if we can't help you, um, we'll try and put you in contact with people that can. Beautiful. Um if people want to get in touch with us, there's a few ways to do it. Moneysaverhomeloans.com.au is one way. You can go to Facebook and look up Money Saver Home Loans and you'll find our page there. We've got some Instagram handles that I always put in the description box. Um, you'll hear from us over the Christmas break. We've got a couple of podcasts due to come out that I think you'll like. Um, <coughs> pardon me. So have a good Christmas. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll catch you in the new year.